Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast. I am your host, Ian Altman. Today, we're joined by Rob Lynch. Rob is the president and CEO of Dome Construction based in California. When I started working with Rob, as far as I recall, they were just in Northern California. I know now they've expanded elsewhere. And Rob's team has done a great deal of work in the realm of same-side selling in their organization. And they've achieved some pretty explosive growth. And it's really helped them to better serve their clients. So I wanted to invite Rob on to share a little bit of their story and some of the things that they've done that may be within or outside the realm of same-side selling. And so we can learn some lessons that they've learned about growth. So, Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Good morning. Can you share with our audience a little bit of your background and Dome's background for their benefit? Because obviously, I know the organization, but everyone else may not. Sure. So, Dome Construction was founded in 1969. So, several years ago, we celebrated our 50th anniversary. We started in San Francisco as a small general contractor. And in the 50 years since, we now have six offices located throughout California, four in Northern California and two in Southern California, one in San Diego, Thousand Oaks. We service primarily the life science, healthcare, and commercial interiors sectors, focusing on renovations of existing facilities. We have about 350 people, and we usually we're doing about $550 to $600 million worth of revenue. That's fantastic. And help me understand a little bit of the difference. I know that you know we've talked about kind of this journey that you guys went on. Can you give kind of a before and after, meaning where was the organization before you started adopting some of these principles? And then most importantly, how is this impacting your clients, your retention of staff, just things that maybe aren't as obvious to everybody else? <laughs> Simple question. Okay. Well, for quite some time, we sort of hit a plateau where we would usually do around anywhere between 100 to 120 million. And we stayed within that plateau. We really had a hard time kind of being able to expand beyond that. We were always fortunate to have great customers. Like I said, we kind of hit this plateau and we weren't able to get through it. So, you know, Ian, when we came across you and started learning about some of your techniques, some of your approaches, it helped us become really clear about what we were good at, what differentiates us, and how we bring value to our business partners. So once we became really clear on that, that really allowed us to focus on the right business partners and the right opportunities for us where we could deliver that value and have it be appreciated. So that, in turn, really set our employees up to succeed, right, for them to develop and succeed. And their success in de delivering the results for our clients, we were then rewarded with further opportunity. So it's essentially become this virtuous cycle of opportunity. And you know, in these six years, we've certainly broken through that 100 million. Like I said, we're up to around 600 million now and have the growth to go with it, all while reinforcing our culture, building our brand, and most importantly, really delivering the results for our business partners that they need and they desire. That's great. I love hearing that. Obviously, it's music to my ears when you see that type of growth. And one of the things that I often get pushback from people on is this notion of, look, in order to grow, you actually sometimes have to not only embrace the clients for whom you're the greatest, you can have the greatest impact, but also you kind of have to be willing to walk away from the places that are not the greatest fit for you. And so how is that manifest inside a dome? That is spot on. And that back when I mentioned that we became very clear about what we were good at, how we differentiate and how we bring value. I think that was kind of a key awareness that we had in that is because in our industry, oftentimes service providers can be commoditized. And 
unfortunately, there are folks out there that they think the finish line is on bid day, right? You're measured on the lowest bidder before the construction even starts. We have very discerning, very sophisticated clients, and they understand that the real value is delivered when the results of the project are delivered, right? Once, you know, it's not at the ribbon cutting when they move in, it's when they're delivering the science, when they're delivering or manufacturing the product. That's when the true measurement is. And the things that we do is that we make sure that we deliver the highest value at the time that the result is delivered from the facility. So I think taking their perspective and understanding that allows us to really build a team, an approach, and the services needed to make sure that that is the result they And we just don't stop when the ribbon cutting is, that we make sure that the project is delivering the results that they intended for it. And having that awareness really put us in a position, like I said, to follow, to team up with the right business partners, deliver the value that they need, and focusing on what their success measure is and making that ours and not stopping just at the ribbon cutting like so often happens in our industry. Sure. And I love the fact that this is an area that you guys embrace so completely. Many times when I talk to people about how important it is to focus on results, they go, yeah, yeah, results, like how much revenue we generated. I'm like, no, no, no. results for your end client, which is obviously something that you guys embrace wholeheartedly. How do you maintain that culture inside the business? And as a second part to that, You've grown from 100 million to roughly 600 million. How has the size of the team in terms of business development changed also during that time? I'd like to get insight into both of those. I keep giving you these twofers, but you can feel free to split them up as you like, Rob. It's just my brain is working here on different things that I think people will be interested to learn about. If you want to get top results for your team, take a look at the Same Side Selling Academy. Just visit samesideselling.com to learn more. Well, From a cultural standpoint, we've always talked about who we are, being clear about who we are. We're problem solvers. We're subject matter experts. We love to find out on each project, each opportunity provided to us, what are the pieces of the puzzle? How do they come together? How do we make it successful? So we didn't think of ourselves as salespeople. We think of ourselves as problem solvers. So we didn't, you know, it wasn't like this bridge that we had to overcome to get there. It's like we always, when we really know what our clients need, what they expect, what the result is for a job, our team loves rolling up their sleeves and saying, all right, let's develop an approach to achieve that. So from that standpoint, there was alignment right off the bat and being clear about that was good. Now you mentioned about business development. We don't have really business development people. What we have is problem solvers. And our people that, like I said, these people succeed for our clients and we get rewarded with further opportunities. So our business development people are our project teams who are succeeding for our clients and our clients show that appreciation by saying, hey, you know, we have another opportunity coming up. We'd love to see you propose on it. So once again, that virtuous cycle just keeps feeding itself. And, you know, there might be folks in our industry that just, you know, maybe they might have a hard time resonating with that. But since 2015, we've done 1,387 jobs and 1,323 of them have been for repeat or referred clients. So if you deliver that value at the time of result and you build those relationships and you put their goals, their success first, it works and the numbers prove it. So, Sure. And when you're doing $100 million, how many of the people on your team could you attribute, in essence, new projects or new clients to versus now? And the reason I'm asking is, some people are going to think to themselves, well, sure, if they went from 100 million to 600 million, where they're delivering more and more projects for their clients, yeah, they're generating more results. Gee, did their team that's generating those accounts grow sixfold as well? Are they getting better economies of scale? 
it's a little bit of both. Like everything in our industry, we have more people who are developing more relationships. And then, you know, oftentimes we'll be brought in and they'll we'll have a job, maybe is a smaller in nature or something like that. And they want to learn about us. But then as they see us build that team, deliver on the value proposition and provide a really good customer experience. You know, I, construction is a very fun industry. It can be volatile. It's tight deadlines, tight schedules. But boy, it can be a lot of fun, too, when it's done well. So when we deliver the results and that customer experience, well, then they say, well, hey, now we have another project. And maybe that project's a little bigger. So it came with a little bit of you know referred clients saying that they had such a good experience with us that they recommended us to another. But then it also, we would receive more of their opportunities. And maybe some of their opportunities would be bigger than the previous ones. So it's a little bit of both, expanding, but then also growing the market share within with some of our partners and some bigger opportunities. Well, and I think that the thing that sometimes gets lost on people is this notion of focusing on the problems that you solve best. So, and I know you do a lot of work in the research and scientific areas, people in the health and life sciences worlds. So what are some of the things that you focus on that maybe give you that specialization? Because I think oftentimes people in construction think, oh, everything goes to the low bidder. But with the amount of repeat business that you get, I'm guessing that your clients are often less concerned with what the actual bid prices or general conditions are. And eventually they get to the point where they just say, we know these people at Dome are going to always deliver on time. It's going to be within budget. It's going to meet our objectives. We're going to get the results we're looking for. Do you see that there's a change in that dynamic as well? Well, the work we do, you're right. We have very sophisticated clients who have, you know, are in very demanding industries. I mentioned earlier that we're a renovation contractor. So we are working within operating environments. And oftentimes those environments are very complex. So it's incumbent upon us to really, once again, fully understand how they operate and realize that when we're doing our projects, that they are almost always within operation. So we have to make ourselves invisible. And sometimes that creates challenges for us, but that's what our clients appreciate about is that we understand those challenges and we overcome them so that we can be invisible, that they can continue to operate and we don't adversely impact their environments or their workers or any of their situations. So oftentimes, if a contractor comes in with just the lowest number, they're just going to walk through their space and the ripple effect of that on their operations could be profound. So, and they might just say, well, that's what we needed to do to get in front of this or be on schedule. And it's like, no, you need to be aware of the environment you're operating in from their perspective and make sure that we don't in any way adversely impact it and still deliver the results in a cost-effective, schedule-effective, high-quality way. So how do you get to that information? So the thing is, people are saying, oh, sure, yeah. So you make sure that you know what's important to people. And But how are you guys doing that so that the client understands after they meet with you, wow, these people at Dome really understand our world differently than maybe other contractors are coming and looking at the project? Well, you know, one of our core values is seek to understand. And incumbent upon that is you ask questions and then you keep asking questions. And then when you think you're done asking questions, you ask a few more and not just assume that your perspective of what they want is right because it almost never is. So we try to embed that into all our operational best practices, you know, from the minute, even before we get an RFP for a project, we want to understand the team, the building, the environment, the project. And as we move through the proposal stage and the pre-construction phase and the 
logistics phase and all that, just really deploy best practices that make sure that we're engaging with every stakeholder, that we fully understand what their measure of success is, that we fully understand their environment that they need to operate in and bake that into the execution plan. So that way, not only do they feel heard, but they know that we're going to look out after, you know, what their objectives are, what their constraints are, what their challenges are, and address them all equally. Yeah, I think it's easy for people to lose sight of the fact that for your clients, let's say they're doing a $2 million renovation. That $2 million renovation, if someone on the construction crew walks through a clean room without realizing it or disrupts research, it could cost that organization many millions of dollars, way more than the value of the construction itself for that renovation. Yes. And I think that that's an aspect that sometimes can get lost because I will tell you that when I talk to other people in construction, they'll often say to me, oh, well, you know, it's all about price. And even as a general contractor, I imagine that when you get your subs who are focused on the right things, you might pick someone who's not the low bidder because you're confident they can deliver better results. Is that true? That's absolutely it. And we talked earlier about when do you measure value? And if you're measuring value at bid day, that's the kind of behavior you're going to get. People who just walk through clean rooms and create potentially catastrophic results for the client, right? That gets added onto the tab. So you have to look at it from the standpoint of when is this project, this facility delivering the value that the client wanted for it and making sure that, like I said, there's construction operations that play a piece of that. But to your example, that sort of behavior, that sort of instance can cause the client untold lost product, lost efficiency, what have you. So it's about delivering the value at the finish line, which is when the results delivered and not just a ribbon cutting or on bid day. Sure. And I think that that's an aspect that when I look at the over 95% of your projects are repeat business, is that something like that? I mean, it's 95.4 to be exact. 95.4%. So that level, as someone who's gone through renovations in the past, and keep in mind, residential and commercial, (laughs) rarely do I finish the project and say, wow, I want to work with them again. It's usually, I never want to see these people again. Not because they were evil people. It's just, man, the process was so awful. There's got to be a better way. And I think that it's a testament to the kind of work that you do for your clients that you get that level of repeat business. And I want to make sure that people are really embracing this idea of focusing on results. And very often people will say, oh, yeah, we're focused on results. We want to make sure the client's happy about what we delivered. No, no, it goes beyond delivery. And we get to, are they achieving the results they were looking for? Did we create an environment that makes it so people want to come into that office that they've been working at home for a long time? Now, do they actually want to be there? Is it achieving their results in terms of their operational flow and their efficiencies and the atmosphere they're trying to create? Not just did we technically do what was required, but are we taking that next level? And I think that that's an aspect that your team consistently focuses on. I have to imagine that with this type of success and this type of growth, it also creates a lot of opportunities for employees inside of the organization. So what has this done in terms of the growth that you've had? How has that impacted the ability for people to move up throughout the organization and take different career opportunities? Well, and that's a very good point. Back to the virtuous cycle of opportunity, right? Our team, we really go out of our way to make sure that we give them the support and the resources they need to succeed whether it be training, feedback, team structure, all that sort of stuff. And we make sure that they're really well trained about having that customer focus, right? Making sure that we understand what we're doing, the goals, the challenges, roadblocks, all that stuff. 
So then we set them up to succeed. And once again, when they succeed, you know, they own that relationship. Now they have become that trusted advisor to their client, their business partner, and they get rewarded with that further opportunity. And oftentimes that means they get to run, you know, maybe multiple projects or a larger project. And then they get to work, build a team and then mentor and coach that team and then further set them up to succeed as we grow. So I think what's what we're really proud about at Dome is the fact that we've had this growth and yet we have still an extraordinarily engaged workforce. You know, we've participated in best places to work and we've repeatedly we've been honored to get the feedback that, hey, you know, that people find this a place of opportunity where they feel supported and they can help, you know, build professionally, personally and see that success and see the results and the rewards associated with that success. And I think what's really interesting, and I've learned this from working with so many people on the HR and recruiting side, is that not only are you attracting people who are veterans of the construction industry, but you're actually attracting people who maybe have project management expertise or accounting expertise in other industries who say, that's the kind of place that actually I could really get behind working at. That's a place that operates with high integrity. Their clients are happy. The people seem happy and engaged. I want to be in that environment. So How have you seen that evolve in terms of attracting people from other industries into construction? Well, I think that's another really gratifying part of the culture we have here. You know, it's always been kind of said that if you have interest and aptitude, you can contribute in any part of the business that interests you with us. And we work in so many endeavors, like whether it be philanthropic or training or diversity and inclusion, people can be a part of something that's bigger than their teams, bigger than their individual projects. They can help make it a better company, help make it a better industry. And we support and encourage that because, you know, it makes it a much more engaging place to work, much, you know, much more dynamic place to work and a lot more fun. And like I said, it's inspiring to see how our people, when they come in and they want to contribute, they want to build a better company. They love building a team environment where everybody feels engaged and supported. And once again, it just kind of self-fulfills. It just kind of keeps the culture going in a positive direction. And it's really quite rewarding. Sure. And Rob, last thing I want to ask you about is areas of innovation, because part of growth is innovating. And I know that you guys did some amazing work from a safety perspective. Everybody I talked to in construction complains that, oh, our workers comp, our GL just increases year after year after year. And you did some innovative things to really right the ship in that area. And then you didn't just keep it to yourselves either. So can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, It dawned on us probably about five years ago now. You know, technology has found construction and it is starting to disrupt it. You know, there are literally hundreds of platforms out there for ERP and business development and BIM VDC. I mean, just hundreds of tools. And we decided we wanted to do something profound in the safety realm. Because, I mean, there's probably no other aspect of our business that has such a moral and business imperative to it as safety, right? We have to send our people home in just as good a shape, if not better than when they came in. And, you know, everyone, uh, there's so much awareness that improved safety drives more efficient project delivery, better schedule performance, better budget performance, higher quality. So, and yet in the marketplace, that was a tremendous unmet need. There was a few safety applications out there built by tech companies for construction. So they weren't quite right. They weren't quite, you know, they didn't engage the right people. 8 million people are in our industry, 93% of them are field workers. So a lot of these programs weren't engaging the people doing the work and the people that were exposed to these harm. So we went ahead and we developed our own and we've had spectacular results with it. Our TRIR has gone down over 45%, even while our work hours have gone up by almost 50%. 
And yes, uh, you mentioned our, our workness comp rates, our GL rates have all gone down dramatically. But the real benefit is, is that we've given a tool to our workforce to really execute their jobs in a very aware, knowledgeable, safe manner. We can see how they're doing. We can drive uh, training if need be and better planning training and all that. So once again, it allows us to operate much more efficiently in a much safer manner. And we get business benefits of lower insurance and lower incident rates as a result. And I think that the fascinating thing about this, when I learn about it, is this notion that generally, if you said we're going to put this safety program in place, the natural inclination for people is, well, that's going to kill our efficiency and it's going to take more time away from the project. And you've actually, by using technology, flipped the script on that where it's, okay, we can have a safer job site. So we have fewer incidents and our people are safer. They can use technology so that it's not distracting everybody at the same time, but they can get the education they need about safety when they need it. And you have an audit trail associated with everything without people spending more time actually spending less time. So it's one of those things where I think in the past, every initiative meant spending more time doing things other than managing and executing on the project. And now instead, you've got something that allows you to spend more time on the project while also improving safety and driving down your costs. So I think it's just a remarkable combination that's worked really well. Yes, it has. Like I said, the transparency it affords, the quality it affords, the continuous improvement has been really uh, profound. We very much, like I said, we're agnostic about safety. We put it out there such that other people could benefit from it as well. And at this point, I think we have over a thousand companies on the platform and uh, 17,000 users, and we hope to grow that and hope to drive safety and have an impact on the industry. Sure. And it's called EMOD, right? That is correct. Which is not only dome backwards, but it's also the experience modification that goes into insurance. So it kind of works in a twofer. And Rob, as you guys embarked on this approach of same side selling, because you guys really embrace this at a level that I always say that people achieve the greatest results. They're not following a different system. They're just more intentional, more deliberate. What was the biggest surprise for you over the last five or six years in implementing same site selling, what's the biggest surprise that came out of this process for your organization? I think it was a little bit of a leap of faith. And I say that in the sense that I think there's just this institutionalized mindset within our industry that it's just always about low cost ad bidding, that business partners and customers wouldn't value you know, really intentional, really, you know, well done execution, positive customer experience, and reward that with further opportunity by focusing on their goals and not our goals. And, you know, like I said, when an industry is just conditioned on being low bidder at bid day, banking on the fact that, hey, if we deliver high value at the time of result, that we'll be rewarded with further opportunity was a little bit of a leap of faith and is proven out spectacularly. That's great. I'm going to try and do a quick 30-second recap of the key things that I think people can take away, and then I'll give you a last-minute opportunity for rebuttal on anything else that you think I missed that people should learn, and we'll take it from there. So the first thing is that you'll notice that in Dome Success, there's an inherent focus on results for the client, and knowing that, look, if we provide success for our clients, our clients will want to come back to us. They see your people as a trusted advisor and a subject matter expert, not someone trying to sell something, which means that after you deliver success, they're looking for you to repeat that success for them again. And that success you're delivering for your clients has created new opportunities, not only for you to help those same clients again. And of course, when those individuals move to other companies, they want to bring you in there as well. 
but it's also allowed you to expand opportunities for your staff, for the overall construction industry in terms of safety. And it really is something that has become part of your culture organizationally that helps you deliver results for your partners, for your team members, and for the overall community that really breathes just an overall atmosphere of success that makes other people want to be part of it. So what did I miss? There you go. You hit it all in 30 seconds. Well done. All right. Perfect. Well, Rob, thanks so much for sharing your story. I'm sure it'll inspire other people. And I look forward to seeing you guys go from 600 million to a billion. All right. Maybe in more than a year, but we'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Ian. Thanks. Thanks. 